And good morning again. Thank you, Miss Sue. Good to find out. Good to have everybody with us this morning, and good to be here with you. Uh, let's see here, Children's Church this morning. David, you soloing today? All right. David will be taking over the kids for so 12 and under for those. Go ahead and go over for Children's Church. And for the others that stay in here with us, if you want to go ahead and mark in your hymnals, number 323, Is Thy Heart Right With God? We'll use that as our hymn of invitation this morning. And uh, certainly good to be here. Uh, if you're logging into Facebook or onto YouTube later, good to have you with us. Or if you're visiting here today, we certainly want to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in person. And if you're looking for a church home, we'd like for you to consider Locust Grove. And we've all become part of each other's family. And as always, it's a privilege for me to share in God's word with you. You recall last week, or week before last rather, we began a series based off of Paul what he had wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read that again. We're using that as the basis for this and next week's sermon, which will conclude this series. And if you would like to turn there, I believe I have it on the screen behind me, but Paul wrote to Timothy in chapter 3, and he said this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you watch TV or read the news on the internet, it's hard to find good news or encouraging news today. As we've become accustomed to over the past few years, a lot of bad news and things are going around our planet and here in the United States. Sadly, uh, the shooting in Buffalo, racially motivated is what they are presuming what they're finding there, unfortunately. And it's the sad part about it is there is only one thing that can overcome the hate that we see to continue to build in this nation, and that is the love of God. And it is up to us as Christians to recognize this and to try our best in our own little worlds to show the love of God instead of the hate that the world is projecting. So it's important for us. It's important for us to know and understand that because when we, when we listen and we look at these things, it's no doubt people are, and probably some of us here, and myself included, have, have wondered, 
Are we in the last days? Are we in those last days when perilous times shall come as, as Paul was writing to Timothy, as he was warning him? I don't know if we are or not. I know everything that Paul warned Timothy about lines up pretty good today, doesn't it? You can easily go through and match those up and many more that goes along and we know we call an evil good. We were uh, prophesied about that and good evil and we see that happening this very day. We have a lot of things coming up in our nation. Of course, we know the primary elections are Tuesday, so I encourage you to get out and vote. But vote the principles of this book, not the principles of this world. In the same way in November, I encourage you to do that, regardless of party affiliation. Let me say that. Let me make that clear. Vote the principles of this book because we will stand accountable for what our, our actions that we do. That's my duty to warn you of that. You have the freedom to do whatever you'd like to do, just as we see here. These people had the freedom. Paul is warning Timothy that they have the freedom to be proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, and the list goes on and on. Those people all have the freedom to do whatever they want to do. But that doesn't mean that it comes without consequence. And we have to remember that. I'd like for you to turn with me over to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, and we'll continue to look at where Jesus, after answering the question of the Pharisees about the last days, about the, the, the days of the Lord, and I'm going to read this passage, chapter 20, or verse 20 through 37 in Luke 17, and this is him answering the question of when will the kingdom come? When will the kingdom come? Not if the kingdom will come. When will the kingdom come? And I think as Tony had mentioned during our communion time, Jesus will return. Jesus will return. Not because I proclaim it, because the Bible proclaims it. And that's what we have to know and understand. So listen to Jesus' answer to this question. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here, or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, see here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Pay particular close attention to this, folks. This is what our sermon's based on today. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. 
Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day of the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Now, if you recall, our first points we looked at a couple of weeks ago about the second coming of Christ is, number one, that it would be desired. Remember that? <laughs> How long, O oh Lord, before you will return, where you will be glorified, will you be, be seen as righteous, the ruler of, of all, the king of kings, the Lord of lords? Christians will be saying that. We will be saying that. I find myself, as we see the mockery continue on, understanding and identifying with that more and more. How long, O oh Lord, will you allow this to continue before you send Jesus back? And the other would be that it would be visible globally. Remember I used that example last time about being outside on a summer night. And it's going to happen here before too long. And, and see it lightning far off and go in and watch the news and find out that it was a big storm in Richmond or, or Lexington and be able to see the lightning across the sky. There won't be nobody have to come and tell a single soul that Jesus has returned because everyone's going to know it. No one's going to have to be told Jesus is here. We will know it. So what I want to look at this morning, and he gives us an easy to understand example because of the scriptures. We're going to look at some more items about the last days. Those last days that Paul was writing Timothy about. The last days that it's possible that we ourselves, this generation, is living in. And I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just trying to make us aware that it is very possible very possible that we could hear the trumpet of the Lord sound in the morning. And when that trumpet sounds, it will be too late for those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. It will be too late for those that have not repented of sins as the Scriptures tells us to do. And that's your own freedom of choice. You have that right. God gives us that free will to make our own decision whether to accept him or whether not to, whether to reject him. Just like he was talking about here, because it will be unexpected. It's not going to be like going down I-75 where you're looking for an exit and you get the exit sign a couple of miles before you get off. And you have time to prepare, time to make sure you're in the correct lane. 
It's not going to be that way. It's going to be unexpected. Listen to what he says. This is the words of Jesus. And as it was in the days of Noah, verse 26, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. In the days of Noah. Do you recall what it was like in the days of Noah? The thoughts of men were evil continually, the scriptures tells us. Evil continually. What are we seeing on our televisions today? Evil continually? Wars? Threats of wars? Rumors of wars? People marching? Uh, trying to intimidate judges, justices? over their demand that they're able to kill an unborn innocent child. If that's not evil continually, heaven help us when evil continually comes along. That's what the scriptures tells us that it was like in the days of Noah. That's what the scriptures Jesus also tells us it will be like when Jesus returns. Listen to this description. They, will eat. they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Maybe it would sound better if we said it this way. They did get ready for family dinners. They shopped. They were planning for weddings. They were having showers. They were celebrating graduations. They were making plans for the vacation for the summer because that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. They were going on about their normal, everyday activities unchanged by the fact that there was a man who had been building a large boat for over a hundred years for a reason. Not that he was just some kind of uh, kook because the Lord thy God commanded him to build a boat. Do you think Noah went all of those hundred plus years and never preached a sermon and never answered the question, why are you building this boat? Why are you building this ship here on dry land? We don't have an ocean nowhere near. Why are you doing this? Do you, did it ever occur to you that he didn't preach? Because that's not the case. Scriptures don't tell us but I'm sure he didn't hide those facts from people. It's just like preachers today, this very day, all across this great nation and all around the world are telling people about the coming of the Son of Man and they are preaching salvation to them and people are going on about their everyday lives disregarding the truth of what Jesus Christ is saying to us. We are in no different shape today than we were in the days of Noah. And that's what we have to wake up and realize, folks. And if you don't think it's the truth, you again, turn on the TV. Turn on your computers and scroll through whatever browser you use. And you look at the news and you look and see what we're seeing. If you don't think it's the case, you go up there and explain that to those ten families of the black people, most of them black, a couple of white, that were shot and killed this weekend by a young white man who thought that it was part of a replacement theory that was taught about racism. 
and that it was his job to go out and remove as many of the, the people of color so that the white supremacy, the white people, would not be replaced as leadership in this nation. Well, I tell you this right now, Jesus Christ don't care what color you are. His blood was red and it was spilt for every person on this planet, regardless of color, regardless of sex, regardless of age, as long as you come to the knowledge and the truth of who Jesus Christ was. If you don't think it wasn't like it was in Noah, you need to wake up and take the blinders off. He continues to go on in verse 28. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they didn't eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Think about this. What he's saying here. If they had knowledge of the coming doom, would they have planted a garden? Would they have built a new house? Would you make reservations for a motel at the beach if you knew you wasn't going to be here tomorrow? These people had no clue. They were consumed with their sin. They were consumed with the lust that they, that they desired, the lust of the flesh. And as the scriptures tells us, it was unnatural lust of the flesh. Unnatural desires, unnatural pleasures that they sought after. Does that sound familiar to what Paul was writing to Timothy? Sure it does, because it's the same thing. And guess what? It's the same thing today that we see. Unnatural use of a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And many other perversions. They were carried away with their lust. They were going on about their everyday activities, steeped in sin, thinking that there was no God, there was going to be no accountability. Lot and his family were removed from that. And if you remember, if you remember the account, the angels basically had to drag them out of Sodom. <coughs> we're going to destroy it. Everything we got's here. You better come on, but hang on just a minute. Come with me. And he removed them from Sodom because of the promise that God had made to Abraham. How many of us today are wanting to stay close, so close to the world that we're almost indistinguishable to being set apart as a Christian? In the same way that Lot and his family could not tear themselves from the sin and the destruction that was about to happen. Even when God was calling them out of it, the angels had to drag them out. How many of us don't want to be identified as a Christian because of the ridicule or separation from their family or friends or co-workers that it doesn't really matter because on that day they're going to be in the same boat as the people were in Noah's time and the same boat as the people of Sodom. And sadly, sadly, if we go on to look in verse 32, Jesus gives us that reminder, doesn't he? 
Remember Lot's wife. What happened to Lot? Remember his wife? She looked back on the sin that she was had been around and had drawn her in. That's the kind of effect, folks. That's the effect that sin will have on you. It will get a grip on you. It will pull you in. Though you can put on the facade, oh, I've, and we'll see that here in just a few minutes with a quote. You can say all the right things. You can go all the right places. You can do all the, the right things. But when your heart is involved with and in love with sin, you know what will happen? You'll look back on that to your own destruction. Do we remember Jesus saying, no man ever having put his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom of God? You remember that little bit of scripture? When you desire that sin more than you desire righteousness and being a part of the kingdom of heaven, then you are going to be the same as Lot's wife, lost. Even though the angels drug her out of Sodom, she still was lost. In the last days, perilous times will come. Everyone is in danger. And that's what we have to remember. And that's what we have to continue to move forward. And that's why it's so important that we live our lives. That is true because that's the, ex the next point. See, did I miss anything? I got, a, I got off there. Uh, verse 31. It's going to be revealing. When the trumpet sounds, it will be revealing. Verse 31. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Again, remember Lot's wife, verse 32. He said that their stuff was in the house. Why? Why make mention of that? Because we remember that Jesus, when it comes to Jesus, where your treasure is, what? There will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. That's why. Remember Lot's wife. Where was her treasure? Where was Lot's wife's treasure? It was in Sodom. And that's why we have to be warned. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. That's what Jesus says. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We get so wrapped up in all of this worldly stuff trying to keep up with our neighbors and our families, trying to keep up with having all that everyone else has got, trying to keep up so that our kids have all that every, everyone else's kids have, that we put our treasure sometimes, now listen to me, sometimes we put our treasure, our stock, more in things than we do a relationship with God. I realize that's not a real popular statement today. 
I'm not saying it to offend any of you. I'm saying it so that everyone that hears it will know and understand that the most worthy, the most valuable thing that you can give your child is the knowledge of Jesus Christ and Him buried and resurrected for their salvation. All the rest of it, as Solomon said, is vanity. Useless. Without merit. Because that's not what we're going to be judged on. You need to teach your kids about the perilous times that will come. And warn them not to be one of those things that Paul warned Timothy about. If you notice there, it said disobedient to parents. So that includes your kids, folks. Possessions. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, because if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And we see as Jesus goes on, and I encourage you to look in your scriptures. I don't think I have it up here on the, on the slide. I'll tell you that that night there'll be two in one bed. One shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two shall be grinding together. One shall be taken and the other left. Two in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. Does that ring a bell with you in any way? That's a ratio of 50% three times. Do we understand what Jesus is saying? Half of the people that believe they're okay are not going to be okay, folks. Do I, I just say it to you. How's that? Because we like to, to walk around with our blinders on, turn a blind eye to things. Old preacher said I'd be all right. Jesus said half of you won't be all right. I'm not trying to be hateful. I'm not trying to be mean. I understand more than you could ever know preaching the truth with love. Because if I don't love you, I wouldn't be up here telling you this. If I didn't care about you and your family members and your kids, your grandkids, whatever the case is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't why would I waste my time? Because this is not popular, folks. It's not popular in the day and age that we live in to tell people that the things that we're pursuing much of our lives in this country especially are worthless. That we have to pursue the things of righteousness because if we're doing the same things today in this country as they were doing in the times of Noah and they were doing in the times of Lot when he was in Sodom. And if you love your kids, you're going to tell them about Jesus and you're going to make sure that they know who he is and how important it is that they have them as their Savior. Because the trumpet will sound someday. Jesus will return and he will take away his church, the people that know him, and more importantly, the people that he knows. Depart from me, you worker of, of iniquity. I never knew you. Remember the statement that came next? 
Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy and do many great wonders in your name? He told them to depart. 50% was left. Here's something that I want you to think about as we kind of back to thinking about Lot's wife, a sad story really. She lived with a righteous man. Counted righteous, right? He was removed. That's who Abraham was bargaining with, with the angel over, really. Lot and his family and the people that had separated from him, he knew them. We don't think about that when we think about that story. Abraham was the one that brought them out. They followed him. It was his people before they were Lot's people. So she lived with a righteous man. She was there with him. Angels saved her and her family. Got him out of the city before the destruction. This close to being delivered. But yet she was lost. John Charles Ryle, who was an Anglican bishop in England, wrote this. There are many in the present day who go a certain length in religion. They conform to the outward ways of Christian relatives and friends, and they speak the language. They use all of the outward ordinances of religion, but all of this time their souls are not right in the sight of God. Their world is in their hearts, and their hearts are in the world. That's John Charles Rock. Does that sound something that is maybe applicable today? He died in June of 1900. You think the heart and soul of man has never changed? I think it is. I think it's the same uh, in the days of Lot, days of Noah, the days of John Charles Ryle, and the days that we find ourselves in. We had better be known by Jesus. <coughs> Because what he's saying right there is we can claim to know Jesus. Oh, I know Jesus. Well, that's wonderful. What's even better than that is to be able to answer the question, does Jesus know you? Make sure that that's what happens. Because as we see here, as we've been studying, in those last days, perilous times will come. It's going to be revealing and it's going to be unexpected. And I don't want anyone caught unaware. Rob never told us. Rob never preached that to us. That's my goal, is to never have to stand accountable and answer that question. Why didn't you tell them the truth? Because I'll tell it to you. I'll tell it to you as the scripture says it, not as I think it. And if it's not in this book, I ain't saying it. And that's what I want us to understand. When Christ returns, it's going to be very clear to Jesus where everybody's heart is. It's going to be revealing. It's going to be unexpected. And that's just two more things about those perilous times. Where are you?
where you're at this morning, you need to examine yourself. Examine yourself and your relationship with Jesus Christ. If he is not your Savior, and tomorrow is the day that Jesus returns, you are lost, doomed to eternity, in damnation, in hell. I don't know how to make it any plainer than that. That's what the scriptures tells us. You hear the word, you believe it. You confess your sins and you repent of them. You are buried with Jesus in baptism in the likeness of his death, raised a new creation. At that point, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit and you have been received the forgiveness of sins. Then you are charged to live faithfully until either you pass away or until Jesus returns. Now there's many of us here this morning, many of you watching, that have already taken those steps, except for that last one I mentioned. You are not living faithfully until Christ returns. You need to get yourself back on the right track. Stop looking like Lot's wife who lived with a righteous man, but in the end her heart was back there with the sin, back there with what I want to do, back there with what the world says is good to do, back there that the world says is acceptable. And get yourself back in the right relationship with the Lord. We're going to sing a hymn of imitation this morning. Is thy heart, heart right with God? That's, what, that's basically what we're asking here. Is your heart right with God? Whether it's the first time that you've accepted Christ or whether it's the time that you have need to renew yourself with Jesus. In either case, we're going to sing the first and the fifth verse of this hymn. I encourage you to come as we stand and sing.